0: scary basement each week me and my friend roxy are drawn inexplicably and supernaturally into this basement which is full of animatronic bears with razor sharp spinning bow ties a giant with an agenda a flaming man drinking a pina colada and this fucking beast thing that i don't know how to describe i'm mikey mcculler and i'm roxy polk Roxy, let's start out, as we always do, with the scariest things that happened to us this week. What went down in your life, Roxy Poke outside of the scary basement that spooked you to your bones?
1: So it wasn't so much a spooky thing, just something that made me sad was I went to my favorite takeout place. It's like a Hawaiian place, but they serve like Japanese dishes. And I love their chicken katsu. Sure. Mac salad, really good. Normally I don't do takeout because it's a way to save money and also I would have to get out and drive across town because then it's like double the price if I had someone else deliver it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I was like, heck yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna get this takeout and I'm gonna watch a horror movie double feature and it's gonna be great. I'm gonna like pamper myself this evening. Ate that takeout, it made me sick. So I was sick the whole rest of the night, and I'm also like, no. what happened to my favorite place? What,
0: <laughs> what? Oh no. <laughs> Roxy that is so scary.
1: It really was. So now now I can't really go there anymore and I uh, wasted an entire what felt like a day because I was not feeling great the next day after that either
0: oh. because of that. And that was if I remember what you told me was going on that was right before the small creature burrowed out of your stomach. So it must have come from the the food.
1: Yeah, you know, now that now that you're saying that, it makes a lot more sense, actually, what the cause of it was. So, hey, at it's- least it's gone now, so I don't have to worry about it. But I don't know where it is and what it's doing, and it's
2: uh, probably sure, not it's
1: up to anything plotted. good. <laughs> or I'll tracking that- me like an alien. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he is lurking around in the basement, this uh, li- salamander-like creature that I know you told me. Came Uh from your belly. (laughs) (laughs) Roxy, this week, I'll tell you, my car- it's always car things oh no something happened
2: to your car again
0: <laughs> i parked i parked my car and it just started smoking from under what? the hood.
2: <laughs> It was just oh, like smoke God. coming
0: out and so okay. i was like no, that's not great and so i just uh, <laughs> uh i locked it and left <laughs> just
2: like, uh, what? i
0: just like i gotta i gotta i gotta go to the i was going to the starbucks coffee shop to write a little bit
1: was this was like, today well, this, was this no like this an is hour- a couple
0: days ago oh,
1: okay well still that's also bad because then did you just use your car like it was nothing after that
0: Uh, no, I took it to the mechanic. He did. He first of all replaced the coolant tank, but also he discovered there was a small cinder beast in there. Uh, It was a beast that is aflame and he is, he is perpetually burning. So once he got rid of that, then the smoke cleared right up.
1: You gotta check your engine for that more often, Mikey. I think this happened to you already before. You should have known this. I mean, I know it was a couple of years ago, but, like, you, you should have checked under the hood and checked that
0: little cinder beast problem. Th- this is kind of what you do, like, when I first get a car, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna get an oil change. I'm gonna get a priest to do the rites over it. I'm going to get a, a, a little bit of holy water that I sprinkle in. And then you just start driving it, and you just kind of, like, let that stuff drift away, you know? I gotta be on top of it.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, I think it was a big wake-up call for you, Mikey, so I'm glad that you uh, got it figured out. Uh-oh. Do you see him? It's Demon Bot. It's the Demon Bot. Clomping over.
2: Mikey and Roxy, you were assigned the 2016 film Nine Cloverfield Lane because, as we all know, the number 10 does not exist in the scary basement. Directed by Dan Trachtenberg and starring John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, and John Gallagher Jr. Did you watch the film?
1: Yes, I most certainly did.
0: I, in fact, did watch the film Nine Cloverfield Lane because 10 does not exist in the scary basement.
1: Well, great.
2: Good, then your souls are safe we did it Rox. Mm-hmm. for now
0: ah, <laughs> no! i really thought we were okay that time <laughs> roxy we did in fact watch nine cloverfield lane that is not the name of the movie but the number 10 does not exist in the scary basement as has long been established In case anybody hasn't seen the movie, what do you say we do a quick little plot recap? I would love to do that, Mikey. Let's do a plot recap. Nine Cloverfield Lane opens on Michelle, a young woman packing and fleeing from her life and home. She even leaves behind her engagement ring on the kitchen table. Michelle drives away from the life she once knew, only to be sideswiped by another oncoming truck. She ends up unconscious on the side of the road.
1: Michelle wakes up in a bunker and meets Howard, the intimidating man who claims to have saved her from her car wreckage. He's chained her to a radiator, which is not the best start, (laughs) and told her there is no world outside the bunker left, that an attack from either the Russians and or Martians has left the air outside unbreathable for up to a year or two. But does Michelle, in fact, believe him?
0: Howard then shows Michelle two decaying pigs through a small window in the bunker, letting her know that the air outside is doing this kind of horror to people. Michelle then meets Emmett, a handyman who helped Howard build the bunker, who verifies Howard's account of what happened. Emmett does say that, yes, in fact, the world outside really is gone. He came to Howard when shit started going down and is in the bunker with him voluntarily.
1: At a dinner with the three of them all together, Michelle makes Howard jealous by flirting with Emmett. This causes Howard to lash out, getting right up in Michelle's grill and giving her an opportunity to snag his keys to get out of the bunker.
0: But before Michelle can make it outside, a decaying, scabbed-up woman comes to the door, demanding to be let into the bunker. Michelle leaves her be, finally believing that no, Howard did not simply abduct her. Something bad has happened in the world to make it so that she is only safe. Within its walls.
1: Michelle and Emmett bond here, relaying stories about their lives before the bunker. Michelle once saw a little girl being abused by her father, and wishes she was the type of person who could stand up and fight, just like her big brother when she was a kid did for her. Instead, she did what she always does, which is panic and run away.
0: Michelle, Emmett, and Howard, realizing they're stuck together for a minute, end up becoming pretty good friends. They do puzzles together, they watch movies together, they play games together, and etc., But when Michelle climbs through the air ducts and finds a bloody earring, she pieces together Howard's backstory. The young woman he's been referring to, Megan, was not his daughter, but a woman he did abduct and keep in the bunker and presumably killed.
1: Michelle and Emmett begin formulating a plan to escape the bunker, knowing they can no longer trust Howard, slowly collecting resources to build an airtight suit to escape the bunker. But damn, it sure seems like Howard knows what they're doing.
0: And he does. Howard shows Michelle and Emmett his big vat of acid, and having found their stash of weapons, demand they tell him what they're up to. Emmett takes the blame in hopes of protecting Michelle, and it works, in the sense that Michelle is fine and Howard shoots Emmett in the head. Howard
1: then creepily shaves, cleans himself up, wears a nice outfit with a belt even and tucked in shirt. Excited that it's just he and Michelle now, but Michelle ain't gonna take this line down. She finishes the suit she had been working on, but when Howard finds out, she flings a barrel of acid at him and heads for the outside world through the very vents
0: she was crawling through before. Michelle escapes the bunker only to find that, ah, dang, Howard was right. There really are aliens out here doing chemical warfare. Michelle goes toe-to-toe with an enormous alien creature before defeating it with a Molotov cocktail.
1: As she drives away, Michelle hears a call over the radio asking for anyone with medical or combat experience to find their resistance group and push back against the invaders. Deciding she will no longer run away from her problems and her life, Michelle takes control, turns the car around, and goes right off to join that fight.
0: Boom! That's 9 Cloverfield Lane. A great film. Yep, that's 9 Cloverfield Lane. (laughs) 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 it's the title
1: yeah that's that's the title Uh,
0: while she's driving off michelle like runs into a mailbox that knocks over and it says that howard's address was nine cloverfield lane and it's like okay great like it (laughs) doesn't really add anything it's just like i kind of (laughs) guessed also i didn't care uh roxy i love this movie i love it so much
1: I love it, too. It's very good. Uh, and this is this- my second time seeing it. First time was a while ago, so this still felt relatively fresh. Like, I remembered some things to a point, but, like, I forgot stuff, like, how how suddenly Emmett just gets fucking shot there. Like, I was like, oh, shit, I forgot about yeah. this. And, like, the pacing in the beginning is so good, the way there's, like, no dialogue, and the way mm-hmm. it's, like, showing and telegraphing everything. Cinematography, they do such- like, shot choice, uh, so many good things.
0: There is such a great job of like, without words, showing us what type of character Michelle is right at the beginning, as she's yes. like MacGyvering all of the little things that she had packed with her that she now has in her backpack to like get out. She she figures out, uh, she like gets a hold of her phone, first of all, using like the IV drip. She starts like yeah. whittling down one of her crutches that she gets, hoping to stab her pursuer. She like has a single match and she like lights it on fire. She's so resourceful.
1: And, like, it's smart. Such a, it's, yeah. It's, it's fun to watch a protagonist who is smart and doing, like, everything they can to escape the situation instead of it just being, like, you know. It, it feels more like a real person instead of someone just being, like, written as a character to do these things.
0: Yes. So it, 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 this movie, I feel like, more than almost any other movie I've seen in, in a while. I don't want to say more than any other movie I've ever seen. That feels hyperbolic. <laughs> this movie is so full of moments that are super logical That like flow from one to the other, like she is in an incredible, almost insurmountable circumstance. And she keeps finding ways to like, take power back to take control back. And it's just like, it's truly delightful. It's something I remember hearing somebody say about the Sopranos. Mm -hmm. Where, like, Tony Soprano is a bad guy, but we like him, A, because he's, like, funny, but also because he's, like, really good at his job. Like, it is fun to see somebody be good (laughs) at at what they're doing. Uh And I love Michelle so much for that exact reason.
1: Well, I think also, like, talking about the relationships between the characters, Howard, John Goodman, every actor in this movie did really good. And, like, John Goodman straddles this line of how that character, he does a great job. (laughs) The way that Michelle, I I feel bad for forgetting the actress's name, but like-
0: Mary Elizabeth Winstead.
1: There we go. She has him pegged because like from that snippet from her backstory, her father was abusive. And Mm. so she recognizes immediately this is the type of person Howard is.
0: Yeah. Uh, I piece that together. You're right. Yeah, Yeah. She had a father who behaved just like Howard.
1: Yeah. And or at least some some form of abuse, you know, that she she recognized just like how she saw that little girl she wanted to help. She recognized what that was. Mm-hmm. It, you see that payoff pretty quickly with how she knows how to push his buttons because she mm-hmm. that first dinner they have together, she notices he he gets really weird whenever she reacts positively to Emmett, whether mm-hmm. it's. Like, she, she's literally not flirting with him or interested in him that way at all. If anything, the movie was going to say, it's, like, he's kind of like her big brother again. Mm -hmm. But she notices that Howard gets weird about it, so she, like, fakes flirting so that he knows he'll get mad, get up in her face, and she can steal those keys. Boy, can she. Yeah, which, like, happens relatively early on. Because you're like, yeah, okay, so not only are you smart and resourceful, like, with just, like, actions you can do for, like – solutions to problems but also just mentally you you were aware paying attention and know what you can do and like yeah. what's going on in a very smart way.
0: <laughs> she's no, she's really good at everything she does and Howard is really bad at everything he does? Oh yeah. He built this bunker and he's got it. And he is just like I don't know, he makes me so uncomfortable because he does. I just want him to be normal <laughs> like he just can. like i know what a normal response is to these be- these interactions with these people and he's incapable of it
1: yeah and i think that's one of the reasons why like the way he is written and the way he is acted is so such a like slam dunk for what that character mm-hmm. is like he feels very self-entitled as if he's owed things as if he is in control of things and is owed that control and everybody should just defer to him and he thinks like he says several times you should be thanking me for this and all this stuff yeah. And there's a very revealing scene, like, when they're playing Pictionary, (laughs) when Emmett is trying to get him to guess the movie or book title Little Women.
2: Mm -hmm. And he
1: uses very clear ways to be like, "Yeah, yes, what is little? He gets him to guess the word little. And then when he says, well, what is Michelle? She's (laughs) like, what kind of person is she? And he says, like, A girl, a girl, uh, a child, and she's, like, a grown woman, and he's, like, (laughs) calling her a child. And it's, like, very revealing to be, like, oh, yeah, that's how he
0: sees her. He gets to a point where he's, like, "Uh, a princess. And it's just, like, "Uh uh-oh, gross. Yeah. Uh
1: Yeah. (laughs) And I think, like, he gets so heated. Is that the point where she has to enter – no, the Santa, the Santa, guessing Santa next time? Because he's, like, I know
0: what you're doing. I see what you're doing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Just the one right after that. It's just uncomfortable – thing from one thing to the next
0: what i think is so exciting about this movie for me is the way that they play with expectations like like you know and this is my favorite kind of storytelling we've talked about it a thousand times my favorite kind of storytelling it all seems to come from bad robot it is (laughs) you know exactly as much information as the character knows
1: yeah so you're on board the whole time
0: how do you not love michelle like you are not only subjected to the world through her eyes, right? You are, you Mm -hmm. are seeing what she sees. So when she's wondering if the world is dead or not, we're wondering. And when she gets answers, we get answers. But then she's also so good at what she does that it's just like, you are not only projecting yourself into a character, you're projecting yourself into like a smart, like powerful character for lack of a better word, like being in this situation.
1: Who, who really is like in this tenuous position where like there's a guy a large man with a gun who could kill her at any moment so like Mm -hmm. she's powerful in a sense that we know but we also know that like it could go away in an instant so you're like on the edge of your seat wondering what's going to happen to her and similarly like Emmett does not get as much development because it's more about the cat and mouse like dichotomy between michelle and mm-hmm. howard but like because emma is a very empathetic character and he has kind of like one story about his backstory that you kind of get him pretty instantly and he is like michelle's only support system mm-hmm. the only person she can actually talk to when he does die it makes you care about him more even if he's not as like fleshed out as the other two yeah oh
0: I'd it say. hurts so like
1: yes it, it basically does a very good job at putting you in michelle's shoes throughout the entire movie <laughs>
0: And I will also say it does a really good job of making you question what the truth is, yes. both in terms of yeah, what's yeah, yeah. going on outside the bunker, and I would argue more effectively, and it seems like more impressive that you can put off, the truth about Howard. Yeah. There are scenes where it's like, I really like Howard, when she, like, stitches him up, and when they, like, are- Talks about his daughter the first time then, too, I think, right? Yes, yeah, that's when she he talks about his daughter, and when he, like- I mean, they they pull this almost like storytelling jujitsu where it's like he's been so unsettling. And then when he comes to her and like confesses, like, I accidentally I was trying to get home. I was trying to I knew about the attack. I was racing and I'm the one who sideswiped you and knocked you off the road. And it's like, oh, it's kind of like bonding for him to like be vulnerable with her. And then that's when we get.
1: Like he was taking responsibility for the actions Mm -hmm. he did and like paying that forward to be like, well, I did this. So I have to take responsibility and make sure she doesn't die because it was my
0: fault. There's a scene um, and it's where we reveal that John Goodman at least is telling her that Megan is her daughter where she asks him. She says, Megan, was she your daughter? And John Goodman, the way he plays it, he like takes a beat and he's just like. Yes. And then he skedaddles. He oh, like my God. I didn't away. even
1: register that the first time. Okay. It's makes me the want to re-watch weirdest it
0: performance. It's like the weirdest <laughs> choice. He says it in a way where like he is like squeaking it out. And then he he's like having a conversation with her. And he just like turns to the left and bolts like a cartoon character. Like I mean,
1: he's so he's awkward.
2: Like,
1: <laughs> so, yeah, I think I wonder if like the first time I watched that. And, like, on this rewatch, too, because I had kind of forgotten, like, what the twist was with Megan, I-, I wonder if I just thought that was, like, oh, he he's having a hard time talking about her because he lost mm-hmm. her is where maybe I thought that initially. But, like, when you actually know, like, that reading of it that you were talking about, he's just trying to piece it out there so he doesn't have to say more details that might catch him in a trap.
0: Exactly. And, yeah. and that's what's so good about this movie. It's like, it, it gives you pieces of information that could mean a lot of different things. Yes. Like when we see, when she first looks outside and sees that the truck is sideswiped and she like has this flashback, she's like, Oh, that's the truck that ran me off the road. We're yeah. like, Howard's definitely a monster. And then the next scene, they're like, he admits to it and mm. so kind of has a, a reasonable explanation and it's like howard is not a monster like there are these moments it is such a clear like (laughs) this is rudimentary storytelling but it's such clear show not tell yeah we're getting pieces of information and we're making these inferences along with michelle but we're being told that like what we are seeing is not quite what's true
1: yeah, I feel like that it's respecting the audience in that sense where they don't think you're dumb. They think you can track it. And then also, mm-hmm. yeah, you know as much as Michelle knows. So it it's engaging in that way. And I think another thing that they do to show, like, Michelle's perspective, a lot of times you will get close-up focuses on hands or, like, things that people are doing. Mm. Particularly, like, with Howard's hands where he's doing something where you don't know what it is. Because, like, when you think about, like, a child thinking about being hit – or something, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to be looking at the thing that is going to hit you. Yeah. So it kind of also puts you in that mindset to be like, oh, yeah, she's used to doing this. She's l- used to looking for these things. Mm. And it's just. Yeah, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah, it's a really interesting choice, like cinematography wise, too, because it gives you these different shots and makes it feel even more claustrophobic, which they are in this claustrophobic bunker. So it reinforces mm-hmm. that as well.
0: <laughs> Dude, that is my favorite kind of... It's my favorite kind of storytelling. Not only just, like, riding along with the character, but also this kind of storytelling where you just strip it all down. Like, there's no... You can't have a character pop in and deliver a pizza and be like, well, what's going on with your weird uh, friend, Howard? Like, it's all coming from these three characters, and that's all we can do. That's all we got. Deal with it. It's so much fun.
1: And that's like the setup of the movie, too. Like, it, uh... It... (laughs) They knew the type of movie they were making, they knew the limited location they were working with, and they like used that to its fullest potential, Mm -hmm. which I think is very impressive. Especially because then once she gets out of the bunker and you see, oh, there's some sort of weird organic alien ship. That's not (laughs) that's not a human ship, that's not a helicopter, that's a fucking alien thing that is dropping these weird like dog echidna creepy (laughs) little hunting dog things.
0: Let's, uh, let's so talk the about world- that ending a little bit. Okay, yeah. yeah oh, sorry, like, go the ahead.
1: World's- I-, I guess I wasn't going to say too much more, but it's like, once the world opens up and becomes bigger, and one of the things Howard says is like, you don't know what's out there. It's not safe. It, it does, again, very harken back to like getting out of an abusive relationship. That's what they tell you to keep you there. They think mm-hmm. that you need to rely mm-hmm. on this person in order to survive, in order to not get hurt in a different way, because the real world is scary. And it's like, yes, it is. But you have to deal with that. You can't just run Mm -hmm. away from that. So she's immediately thrust into being like, oh, yeah, the real world is way scarier than I thought because there's fucking alien ships and beasts. And now there's also toxic gas. Not all the time, (laughs) but sometimes there's toxic gas.
0: (laughs) I am not a huge fan of the ending of this movie.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah. Tell me why.
0: I am so enamored with – This monster movie that is set up as like this human man is the monster and we don't understand him. And even thinking about this movie as a sequel to Cloverfield, like in the first movie, our Cloverfield monster is a literal monster. In our second movie, John Goodman is playing the Cloverfield monster. And I think that's such like an interesting choice. And it's so like scary and exciting. And I love it so much. And then the ending comes. And first of all. The abusive guy is kind of right. <laughs> like, that, to me, feels sticky. It's just like, it's, well, it's, it's got more, big... I
1: felt like it, int- it It furthered what was happening before, because some of the things that Howard was saying were correct, but he was also lying about things.
2: Mm, so it's that's like, true.
1: he said, the guy is poison all the time, and then she learns it's not, takes off her mask, and is like, okay, that's okay. But then you do see the gas clouds. And it's like, mm-hmm. he was just theorizing, throwing shit out of his ass. He didn't actually know. He was just throwing out random guesses. It's more like he... Through stuff at a dartboard, and, like, just, mm-hmm. like, you, you can't tell the entire movie, is he telling the truth or not. That's why you're still, when she goes outside, you're like, wait, is he right about what thing, what thing is he right about? <laughs> that you're, you're even right. after he's it, dead.
0: It is one more twist of, like, what is Howard, what is the truth of Howard? Yeah. Um, which I was very interested in. The thing that makes me, makes it tricky for me is that the ending of this movie has big hat-on-a-hat energy. Which is okay. this writer's term where it's like, you wear a hat, but how utterly bizarre would it be if a guy came in wearing a hat on top of his hat? We'd be like, what the fuck? And it's the, the idea being that, like, one unusual thing in a movie is cool. It's like, that's what the movie is about. When you add a second truly unusual thing, it's just like it's confusing and muddled. So there is a movie, obviously, with most of this movie where a young woman is abducted by a, a murderer and she is stuck in the bunker with him. And then there is also a movie where there are aliens. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, like, it's bonkers. Like, there's an entire genre of movies, like Kiss the Girls and A Long Game of Spider, where it's like, this is just about young women being abducted. And that's a crazy fucking thing, but it does happen. And that's the, what the story is about. And then there's obviously a bunch of alien movies. For both of them to come at the same time, it's like, talk about bad luck from uh, old Michelle. <laughs> she not only is going to get caught up in this alien s- situation but the guy who catches her is an abductor. It's just like that is like it is two un- it's two unusual things that I like you buy of course that one unusual thing happens for a movie to happen. Mm-hmm. Before an unusual thing to also be another like t- two one in a million things to happen right in a row. For me I'm just like Egh. I don't so mind I- it. I, I like it thematically. I will I will say, because, like, I think okay. I like a lot what you were talking about, this idea that, like, the world is tough and she's going to have to fight for it. And that's, like, a, it's a really good way to show her character progression.
1: Yeah. But just because, in terms like, of
0: watching that movie, like, that ending is so much less scary to me and kind of stupid. And I'm just like, all right, so, let's get. It would have <laughs> been cooler if John Goodman burst out of the wall and he's like, I don't care. And, I'm gonna, and then he got hit with the gas and he was chasing after, like, that would be cool.
1: I I think it focuses more on Michelle's story in that way, because it's like, she fought this monster, there's still more real monsters in the world. Like, just because Mm -hmm. John Goodman is dead and she overcame that doesn't mean that, like, monsters go away. But now she's more equipped to be like, well, fuck you too. It felt like such a power escalation and, like, a triumphant moment where Mm -hmm. she was like, this thing that I brought, like – The alcohol that he said he left outside that I brought with me, which is, like, one of the first shots in the movie. There's, like, this very specific bottle Mm. of alcohol and then, like, this lighter, which I can't remember if it's engraved or whatever. But, like, these objects that she had before, she now knows how to use these tools, improvises a fucking Molotov, throws it in this weird organic spaceship thing that she has no idea if it'll work or not, but is, like it's all I got, but I'm going to fucking do it. And I'm going to be like, Mm -hmm. very confident about it. And it blows up and drops her. And she's able to get herself out of that situation. And it's such an escalation from being like Howard to then this giant Mm -hmm. monster. It felt like she had mastered herself. By that point, you feel like you have a lot of confidence in her. So when she's given that choice at the end to go either help survivors or go to a safe place, you're like, I know what she's been through. I know she can do it. And she's going to mm-hmm. fucking do it, isn't she? And then when she does, you're like, hell yeah, go do that. <laughs> Even though you're you kind like-
0: of convincing me. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: Well, I, I'm glad I can because I liked
0: it. I like all this stuff. I like all this ideas. It was when I was actually watching it. And the fact that there's like a stealth section and like, I, also I think like I would have liked it.
1: Like, I like sci-fi Did stuff. You? So I was like, this is fun that this is the twist because they could have just been like, it's Russians or it's nothing. And then they chose like the most interesting thing to me, which is like, no, it's fucking weird aliens that you don't <laughs> understand. You have to fight it so you don't die. Go for it.
0: I As I was watching it and there's like that scene where she first like climbs up on the truck and sees the bizarre ship. Yeah. I was like, that was enough of the ending to me. Like that was that does enough for me. That was like, I, was, okay, I, I, so I got the, the shot. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: If it had been like, oh, that's kind of like a Twilight Zone ending. It's like, oh, there really is a thing. That would be like, okay, that's kind of weird and cool. I I wouldn't have really loved that but you either. You don't
1: see her make that like character choice, I think. Or like the no, character know, escalation than choice, which felt important. There's probably no
0: way to do it satisfactorily. I yeah. just, I was just like <laughs> bored. I was like, all right, now there's CGI monsters. There's no humanity to them. <laughs> Maybe if the monsters were like kind of cute, but also like clearly had were uh, child abductors i'd be like okay now i'm interested in this so when you but see the like-
1: monsters a little more clearly they're not like the monsters from cloverfield so i mm-hmm. i think saying that because there are like monsters in cloverfield there's smaller ones that could have been that you know but mm. you don't see those so you see something different and i'm not sure i'm assuming none of it was practical effects but maybe some of it was like i remember when we did attack the block i looked up like the cgi on how they did that so they actually had like people in suits that were, like, hopping around like gorillas, kind of. Oh, yeah. And then they would CG over that. So it mm. felt a little bit more grounded. So I don't know if they did something like that here where it's, like, partially mm-hmm. or whatnot. You don't get to see it up close too much until, like, it's kind of, like, yank- yanks her mask, like, tries to bite her face, but instead gets her mm-hmm. mask when you get, like, a real big close-up. But, yeah, like, in terms of it connecting to the Cloverfield universe in general, even so long since I'd seen the original Cloverfield, I watched a couple of other theory videos and stuff that people Hmm. made, I can't specifically point to which creators. So apologies for that. But they were talking about how, again, in this very lost kind of way, they were going to make smaller connections between them. And there's like four major companies that are like in charge of keeping track of things or like invested in this universe and like each movie was going to be about someone who was connected to one of those companies Hmm. so like cloverfield one was slusho which is like the energy drink that was made of the secret ingredient was aliens from the bottom of the ocean that is the cloverfield (laughs) monster (laughs) that rules so the main character from that works at Slusho, And then the, this movie, Nine Clover Field Lane. <laughs> uh, John Kubin's character does like telemetry for satellites for, oh fuck, what, one of I, those companies, one of like. I think, I,
0: I think I wrote it down because I noticed it. They like, it's a very weird shot. Uh, Bold Futura.
1: That's it. Yes. Yeah. And there's even like a fake website where he was employee of the month at one month. So it like oh, yeah. dates when he was there and between when he left. And when the event happened and he went into the bunker, essentially. So it kind of dates that. And there was also like other, there was other ARG stuff. Like it made me really excited to be like, man, I wish they had done something else with these other movies instead of just doing a weird direct to Netflix movie that just got Cloverfield put onto it and didn't really feel like it was integrated the same way until maybe post or like after many rewrites. Like it was never, what's interesting is
0: this movie was not originally going to be a Cloverfield movie. Yes, there's also that too. Um, but it does feel like i don't necessarily care if they're narratively connected but this idea that there's sort of these anthology stories that are dealing with different kinds of monsters yeah. is what or was the same events but different i haven't seen the cloverfield paradox have you
1: um yeah it's on netflix like so if you have netflix you can watch it for free i won't uh, yeah that's fine it's uh, personally i, I, it's I would bad. not yeah personally i would not recommend you spend your time on it maybe watch mm. a video summarizing it it was a big letdown, which like I love space stuff, I love sci-fi stuff, and was like this could have been really cool, and then it was not. It even mm-hmm. deals with like different parallel universes or like timelines, Mikey, to an extent, which That's I think my you jam would, exactly, which y- you like, but still I wouldn't <laughs> recommend this movie to you unless maybe it's on the background while you do something else, just because you're kind of curious to see how it breaks down.
0: Mm. That's unfortunate.
1: And, and And it felt like also them making that movie part of the Cloverfield universe feels like they don't care about this anymore. They're not really going to do Cloverfield Mm. stuff anymore. We're not going to get like the other two or three movies involving like an employee from one of these other companies. And then there's going to be like a final one or something that has a greater mystery or puzzle box or something. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to have the
0: lost numbers. (laughs) God, I want the lost numbers to come back. (laughs) I will say, I think what, what sounds... To me about a movie I haven't seen, what sounds uninteresting to me is kind of getting into what is uninteresting to me about the ending mm-hmm. is this movie, Nine Cloverfield Lane, is so complex and it deals with human complexity. And yeah. I guess is kind of the thing that act threes of movies have to do. It's why everybody hates like the Marvel movies have to end with a big CG battle. And it's like, yeah, they do. That's always like the least interesting part. Yeah. Because that complexity inherently must be reduced into something. There's no complexity to the aliens. There's no, like, it's just a big well, creature hints- that we gotta fight.
1: Well, in the first Cloverfield, yeah. And the second one, you don't get enough of them. But the third one, like, for one and two, it felt like there was history or something behind it. Like I said, I watched a couple other theory mm-hmm. videos and people who are more into, like, the ARG, the other supplemental materials that I have no idea in some of these websites are just defunct now. You can't even look at them. Mm-hmm. And they, they talked about how th- there was even like a manga or something that may or may not have been <laughs> canon, which is insane cool. to me. But that's because like the slusho energy drink was, I think, supposed to be from Japan or the- there's that Japanese company that uh, mm-hmm. Howard works for. But it feels like there is a greater universe and story plan something at work here, even if you don't exactly understand it and so Mm -hmm. people were theorized were able to theorize stuff like oh so the cloverfield monster it's actually a baby like i think jj abrams said in interviews that it's a baby (laughs) creature of its kind that like woke up had a temper tantrum (laughs) got killed so then its parents are like oh these people killed our baby we're gonna come and destroy your planet then and so that is like nine cloverfield lane is when they come back like eight years later or something Oh, you know, because okay. they're traveling s- through space to be like, okay, you killed our baby, so we're going to nuke you. And there's probably more Cloverfield-like baby eggs under the ocean that mm. are going to hatch at some point, too. Like, there's more than one of them. That one just woke up earlier. Okay. I love that. So, so yeah, it's like these the smaller things where, like, it, it works on its own. And, although for you, it felt very jarring, which I understand why a lot of people think it's jarring. But then also, it feels like it has this greater idea that is working towards – where it's like, oh yeah, okay, so Cloverfield thing makes sense, these other aliens coming down, like, there's a reason why they're there, even if you don't <laughs> really know it. Um, And then Paradox is like, well, I, I don't want to go, like, too far into also talking about this movie, because this is not the one that we're reviewing. But it mm-hmm. just doesn't feel like it has the same attention to detail, or complexity, or any kind of, like, underlying tie-in to it. And felt kind of like... Eh, We'll just like cash in on Cloverfield name so people will watch it and then after they watch it, they won't care about it anymore. Mm. Because we weren't going to do anything with this franchise anyway, is what it felt like.
0: Thumbs down.
1: Which is again to say, I went on for too long to talking about that. <laughs> which is again to say, that this movie is just like it, it's very effective on multiple levels. Um,
0: yeah, this I movie think it was cool. – oh, I love it so much.
1: And like uh, the big Lassie's- idea, sorry, I guess we talked about that. Basically, is that where That's you what were going go to ask? What do you okay, think the big yeah.
0: idea of the movie is? What what deep human fear <laughs> is this movie poking at?
1: It basically tells you, which it does a very good job. Like our our main character herself says it, like. She ran away when things get tough The beginning of the mm-hmm. movie has her running away when things get tough mm-hmm. And she just decides she's not going to do that anymore She's actually going to face it head on Like whether she has enough confidence Or it's just like I can't let this continue Like I can't let this be my life You know mm-hmm. she confronts it So that for me is what <laughs> it was about Because that's what the <laughs> movie told me But uh what do you think yeah. Mikey?
0: The thing that I, I I was thinking more about like What's so scary about this movie And it's incel dumb it's <laughs> it's Oh also
1: that too yes that
0: is it <laughs> What's so frightening about Howard is him acting on his own, taking away agency from her, right? He took her and put her in a place that was uh, unfamiliar, and there was no empathy, but there was this expectation of gratitude. Yeah. And the fact that he has such power over her and that he was, like, pushing on her, like, that's a horrifying creature. That's, like, a- a Big movie monster that, yes, I want to see defeated in as brutal of a way as possible. I think when Howard got acided at the end of the film, she um, – Michelle knocks over a bucket of acid and, like, pushes him into it or whatever. Yep. He just gets a little bit of his face burnt. He needed to be a full-on acidy – like, we yeah, need I to see that, that visual he representation a- of his – Disgusting inner self reflected outside.
1: Yeah, you need to see like his bones or something at that point. Yeah. Cause like he talked about how that acid would uh, destroy organic matter and like yeah. humans down to their bones, maybe even more than that,
0: destroy the bones themselves. <laughs> Which is such a funny scene when you're like, cause we're still kind of in the like, what happened to M- – oh, no, wait, we knew what happened to Megan, right? Like, we – this is – we would already found the earring.
1: Yeah, um, and because – I guess we didn't really talk about that too much is the reason why we know for sure that she is not his daughter is because Emmett knew this girl, and this girl went to high school with mm-hmm. his younger sister, and she disappeared two years ago. So he's like, oh, no, that's fucking somebody who was abducted and gone, and now we found her bloody earring and a message saying, help, on a
0: hatch door. It's – it's brutal. But like, once he pulls out the vat of acid. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> okay, so
1: now we know now we know what it. happened to Megan. I know what happened to Meg.
0: <laughs> Unbelievable. He just pulls out. He's just like,
1: hey, can you help me with this acid? <laughs> well, because you don't know that he knows exactly what they're doing yet. So it's like this yeah. escalation where he's like, and you don't expect him to then kill Emmett and be like, yeah, I'm just going to dismember him and put him in this acid because I'm. Sure practice it as i'm used to it and this is what i wanted all along i wanted to be you and me i put up with Emmett just because he knew and Mm -hmm. because i didn't feel like murdering someone yet i just needed the justification to do it to feel that i'm allowed to murder him that i can do it because i want to like he wanted to do it the whole time
0: yeah it's so it's so scary how like little control she has and it's such a like it's so uh, uh like Fucking roller coaster exciting yeah, when she yeah, like yeah. rips it back. But yeah, I think Howard is such an incredible movie monster because again, I simultaneously recognize him as somebody from the real world. Yes, uh, exactly. The type That's of one person of the scarier I've things. Met.
1: Like I've met people like this too, and it's like, oh shit. It's another reason why it feels like John Goodman's nailing him so bad or not uh, so bad, sorry, so good.
0: <laughs> he's so fucking good.
1: Ugh. Yeah. And him just being, like, physically larger and taller and then having a gun when you first meet him, like, Mm -hmm. it puts him in a state of power over her
0: immediately.
1: And you're like, oh, my God, I hate this.
0: (laughs) I hadn't thought of it until just now, but, like, the way he walks is so weird and stilted. And the way he stands, he, like, kind of, like, protrudes his belly forward and, like, leans back. It kind of reminds me of – do you remember in Men in Black, the first Men in Black? Uh-huh. The villain who like the is alien. a bug <laughs> that has stolen a man's skin suit.
2: Yes, <laughs> like Johnny like,
0: Goodman's is how humans
1: stand, right?
0: Exactly. His posture is like he is a monster stuffed in the body of a man. <laughs> like he's yeah. the way his posture affects the way he's. It's it's a great performance. It's so every character and it's fine. Michelle and uh, Howard are like two incredible performances. Yeah. And can I tell you a weird bugaboo I have about this movie?
1: Sure, as long as we talk <laughs> about the dance that uh, John Goodman does and how that came about. Oh, wait, which dance? So the minute. You learn that he is a murderer who has captured this girl, murdered her, and she's disappeared. Can no longer be trusted. You know, like, you get that brief time when they're, like, living like they're friends. Like, uh-huh. you know, like, yeah, we'll get through this. Okay, I thought you were bad. It was, like, my bad. But I- it made sense to think that way. But now I've changed my opinion. Then it flips it. And you're like, oh, shit, no. We know what kind of monster he is. And Then he comes in immediately after that to, like, interrupt their conversation where they're just, like, okay, we have to – Make sure he didn't hear what we were saying. They're very <laughs> awkward and like scared and tense. He just comes in, turns on the jukebox, does a little dance. Oh, and, like, yes, yes, yes. He's leaning over the jukebox. <laughs> the angle the camera has is like on his ass, like on his back. So you see, <laughs> you see our two main characters who are like, terrified of what they've learned and then he's just in the middle with his ass shaking his ass like dancing to be like yeah i thought i would put on this music isn't it great i'm gonna get dinner started and you're like "Ah!"
0: that rules you're you're right i did forget about that moment and it it is a delight
1: okay sorry i Um, just want to make sure we talked about that because it was amazing so I'm okay glad
0: we did holy (laughs) shit uh the weird bugaboo I have about this movie, and okay. I think it's only because I have just recently started wearing contacts, but now oh, I'm cool. hyper aware of close-ups in movies when I can see these people's contacts in. Oh, so, damn. So, like, the very first scene when Michelle wakes up in the bunker, it's so close on her eyes. And she's, like – her eyes are the most incredible actor eyes in the world. She has the best eyes anyone's ever had. Yeah, they're very large so expressive. And I can see her contact lenses, and I'm just uh-huh. like – Did you sleep in those? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. That's going to be itchy for the rest of the day.
1: Well, that's That's no good.
0: (laughs) Uh, Roxy, do you have a question for me?
1: I do. So um, this movie, our main character does a lot of improvised constructing of things she needs to survive. So I was wondering, if you were leaving town and taking stuff with you, just like naturally, what? Uh, would any of the items that you would have like naturally taken with you help you fight the Cloverfield aliens?
0: This is such a great question because it gives me an opportunity to like to keep it pure to think about like what I would take with me, and it's like uh-huh. yeah, I would grab my backpack, I would throw my laptop in there, mm-hmm. I would throw my Nintendo Switch and probably my charger.
2: Uh-huh. Uh,
0: <laughs> I would. I, I got a little photo album that my grandma made when I was a baby that had a lot of pictures of me and my grandparents that I would grab. Uh, I'm just kind of glancing around my room because again, I would only be able to take the things that I have right here with me. Yeah, um, and then I would grab. Um, I got a little toolkit. I got a little that I would probably bring with me if I was just needing. You know, backpack space. Backpack space is at a premium, so this is like a small little compact toolbox I have that I would probably. Toss okay, in. but
1: it's like you don't know about the alien invasion, basically. The way Michelle was like, I'm leaving this relationship, I'm packing up my well, life and leaving. So you would that, take like- That's what I mean. Things. I would take okay. that
0: because gotcha. it is the it is by far the thing I have owned the longest. Like, I got oh. it. And not that I have any sentimental attachment to it, but like, it's just like this little gray tool chest with like uh, a bunch of screwdrivers and and uh, Allen wrenches and stuff. Okay. And because you uh, usually when I move somewhere, I throw away a lot of my stuff. And yeah, this
1: is something I've known about you, actually. That's a good point. Like, since college, you've been this way. Mm-hmm. I remember when you, like, moved to L.A. and got were getting rid of everything. I was like, yeah. even your Firefly box set? You don't want to, like, take that? <laughs> and you were like, fuck, no, I don't want that. I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, my mom growing up, it's, it was one of those things where, like, you look back on it, and it was like, oh, my mom was a hoarder. We had uh, – our basement was just full of mm. boxes and boxes of stuff. And okay. it always – I was just like, oh, yeah, that's just what you do. And then, like, realizing – Oh, I don't need any of this stuff and I can throw it away. Great. But the the, <laughs> the reason I think I would take the toolbox is because that's something that, like, is just small enough that I've not ever thrown it away. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like I need tools pretty infrequently, but I would probably grab that. And so I think that would save me. I think that is the one thing. Like, I could... Use my Nintendo Switch charger to like grab the the base, like the, uh-huh. the cord, and then like whip it around and like hit it with the like because it's a block, right? It's a block. Yeah, but it would in. come and
1: detach from the cord before you could ever get it hit in if you're fl- flinging it around like a flail. Yeah, that's a good point. But I think yeah, maybe you get one good hit in there if it didn't.
0: Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay, so I got one hit, uh-huh. and then I got a tool, a toolbox that has that does have like a box cutter. It's got like a little like kind of box cutter. Um, so I could slice at him.
1: I mean, like just having a like met hard metal object that you can wield as a weapon, like a wrench. Mm-hmm. Even you know, like that's going to be helpful. And like if you need a wrench, then you got a wrench
0: <laughs> to repair the truck to drive away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think I I think I would have like <laughs> if it were like a, a video game, I would have like three uses, like three, like. Uh, <laughs> like safety items. Like in Resident Evil, you would have like a knife equipped and if a zombie bites you, you stab it in the head with a knife. Like I would have three times that I would not be instantly killed the first time a monster saw me. And there you How go. How about Perfect. you? What would you what would you pack up and what would it help you do against the Cloverfield monsters?
1: I think sadly I would definitely not do as good as you <laughs> because I would be like yeah, bringing my electronics. I'd be bringing like game stuff. I so Mikey is very minimalist, but I I am like a maximalist. collector. I I guess so, yeah. I, I'm not afraid to downsize and like get rid of stuff. I'm more of like trying to pare down to be a collection that I actually like this stuff mm. instead of just like hoarding things from, I don't just buy a Resident Evil Leon figure because I want to own all of them. It's like, if I like this, yes. If mm. I And if I like this and can afford it, yes. If I don't like it or can't afford it, then no, I'm not gonna like, go out of my way to acquire a thing just to acquire a thing.
0: (laughs) That's how I am with Funko Pop. If I if I was an acquire things just to acquire things, I would have so many Marvel and Resident Evil Funko Pops. And I'm proud to say I don't have a single one.
1: Good job. Congrats to you. And like Funko Pops are are normally horrifying to look at anyway. The only good (laughs) one I will say is the Resident Evil Hunter one looks cool. Like the hunter, okay. is bigger and actually looks like the hunters. Everything else, though, no thank you.
2: <laughs> yeah, gross.
1: But so I, I'd probably like take stuff like that. Like, oh, I like this plush doll or this, again, figure of Leon Kennedy. Cool. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm leaving town or like my PlayStation. So like the only thing, <laughs> like you said similarly, would be like my electronics cords. Cause of course I bring <laughs> my laptop and my drawing tablet. And all this stuff and my like recording equipment, I'm gonna stream because I don't know the world's (laughs) ending. So I'm gonna take my fucking webcam. (laughs) I guess the webcam is pretty solidified into that cable. So that could Mm -hmm. be used as a flail, but it's much smaller and less heavy than a Nintendo (laughs) switch. So it wouldn't really do much.
0: Yeah, Roxy, I love you. I don't think that a PlayStation 2 copy of Dot Hack Volume Three is going to yeah, do a lot.
1: It really won't, unless monsters. I can like fling the disc really right and like get it in its eye, or mm-hmm. if I can get on the back of it and choke it with like a PlayStation 2 uh
0: table <laughs> or whatever. So yeah, you've convinced me. I think I think you're going to be okay. Uh,
1: I mean, if if I am ballsy enough and athletic enough to jump on the back of that spiky echidna creature, yeah, I could kill that mm-hmm. thing. Maybe
0: I believe it. <laughs> Roxy, Roxy, on a scale from one to nine, because as we have absolutely established in this episode, the number 10 does not exist in the scary basement. How likely do you think the events of this movie are to happen in real life?
1: So I would have said nine out of nine, but I said eight out of nine because Mm. a messed up dude who kidnaps women to control and possibly kill them, abuse them, that that's happening right now somewhere. It has Mm -hmm. happened many times in the past. So eight out of nine. Because I'm ducking one point for aliens as well. Because as much sure. as I like the ending, I do agree with you that it is way more unlikely that two of those crazy things would occur <laughs> at once. So uh, not one, minus one one point for aliens.
0: What about you? I, I have similar feelings. I actually had to do three different scores. Oh, okay. I said, I said a, a nine for abductors, because like you said, that happens. Mm-hmm. I said a four for aliens. That might happen, you know, but it hasn't happened yet. Don't yeah, have any evidence yet. exactly. The fact that they would happen together, I actually gave a two because I guess if it's a worldwide event, like Mm -hmm. if it's happening to absolutely everybody, then the odds of getting both of them happening at the same time is similar to the odds of getting abducted in the first place. But nonetheless, (laughs) I I would argue, (laughs) uh, not super likely. Roxy, last week we made a bet.
1: We sure did. (sighs) We made a bet.
0: We were wondering how many gunshots were going to be, because both of us had vivid memories of seeing John Goodman walking around with a gun strapped to his hips. And of course, he's not going to have a gun the whole movie and never fire it. Yeah. So we asked how many gunshots would be in this movie? You said two. I said three. Good God, the answer was one. Just the (laughs) bullet that took out our dear friend Emmett.
1: Just the Emmett bullet. Okay. Yep.
0: So, let's take a look at the standings. The total bet score, Roxy, somehow, someway, uh-huh. gets another point. <laughs> 13 to 7.
1: Oh, One tie. No. I'm almost
0: laughing you completely, Mikey. This yeah, can't happen. you got to almost... win next week, okay? <laughs> because, again, to be clear, we don't know what happens. Each yeah. time we win a bet, we get a point, and at some point, the demon bot's going to come calling.
1: What, what if higher points means he's like, oh, I'm going to take you instead? It could mean that. We don't know. We (laughs) don't know. (laughs) I don't like being on the edge of my seat like this, caught in a claustrophobic basement with Demon Bot.
0: (laughs) I will say, in defense of the Demon Bot, he's a pretty straight shooter. He's He's not big on the, like, surprise twist. I said to collect bet points, but surprise, you are supposed to not collect bet points. We don't know that this isn't the one time he's been saving it, but generally he's been like- Hey, watch this movie, and I won't kill you. And he he has honored his word. So I respect him for that.
1: Okay. Well, I'm glad you do. I'm still waiting for the, yeah, this time, but not this time. (laughs) It has yet to happen. Yet to happen.
0: (laughs) And oh my God, speak of the devil, bot. Here he comes.
2: Congratulations, you have successfully reviewed the film Nine Cloverfield Lane. Your souls are safe for another week. For next week, you must review the 1997 film I Know What You Did Last Summer, directed by Jim Gillespie and starring Jennifer Love Hewitt, Sarah Michelle Gellar, and Freddie Prinze Jr.
0: Ooh, okay. Okay, I Know What You Did Last Summer.
1: I Know What You Did Last Summer.
2: Scary scary
1: ones. yeah so have you i mean <laughs> they're, they're all scary ones <laughs> i mean that's yeah that's kind of every week mikey uh i was just letting you have a flair for uh, this
2: one is like not the theater, particularly but
0: yeah it's <laughs> not this is not like a movie like the exorcist that your parents are gonna warn you about before you like they're just gonna be like all right it's a dub slasher uh that's funny to me roxy let's make a bet for next week all right V. I know what you did last summer
1: that sounds good to me. So, how about for the bet this week, Mikey? Uh, how many people do you think are going to die in "I Know What You Did Last Summer"?
0: That's a good one because this one I have no idea. Right? Okay. It's have early you not 90s. seen this one before? I have never seen this movie. No.
1: Ooh. Okay. It's going to be fun. Um.
0: So, could be high, could be low. I'm going to say I'm going to say six. I feel like I trend towards like a lower body count for these first entries in a series. Yeah. Think? I-
1: I think that that's a safe bet. I think I'm going to go a little higher. Um, I have seen this before, full disclosure, but it has been a long time. So I'm going to say eight.
2: The pact has been sealed. I mean, the bet is confirmed. Whoever is closest to the kill count for the film will be declared the winner. The winner will receive a year's supply of Gorton's fish sticks. You know, this it, it is reasonable that you're
0: so far ahead in the bets because, like, You've seen so many more horror movies than me. Yeah, like,
1: I think uh, maybe crack. genre savvy or just like guessing plots. I don't know because I've seen so many.
0: <laughs> also, the the other thing is that I'm a fucking idiot. Like I'm just I'm just so fucking <laughs> no, you're stupid, not. Roxy. No, I am just not. I'm a stupid uh, usually when He's I'm not. out in the rain, I have to go out with a friend. Otherwise, I look up to see what's happening, and well,
1: okay, that was might
0: drown myself.
1: That was that one time, but you know, I wouldn't say you're in general that stupid <laughs> just because you almost drowned to death by looking up at the sky <laughs> once <laughs> while it rains.
0: How many times do smart people get <laughs> <I> <laughs> mean, looking up into the rain before people have to officially say you're <laughs> you're stupid? I'm sorry. <laughs> Is it three? <laughs> I would say by three, you're officially stupid. Yeah, for sure. yeah. If
1: you haven't learned it by the third one, I'd say, yeah, this maybe maybe you can say that. But
0: <laughs> Roxy, we got to start figuring out how we're going to escape from the scary basement. But before we go, we can't end on a dour note. We can't end on drowning in the rain. What is making us happy? Tell me what's going on that has you feeling joyful.
1: The thing that's making me happy this week, I mean, Mikey and maybe some people listening know that I have an Etsy shop where I make uh mm. Stuff so like I will talk to manufacturers. I've made like enamel pins, Rossi, what's keychains. The,
0: what's the URL for that Etsy spot?
1: Oh yeah, Michelle. I should be giving. Why am I not giving myself a shout out here?
0: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Like, I've bought stuff from there. Hell yeah, with, with my own money. With his real real life money. I didn't even I didn't even call up my friend and say hey you want to give me a hookup? I said no. I'm gonna I'm gonna support. I'm gonna use money.
1: Yeah, so it is, uh, etsy.com slash shop slash rocksbox studio. Uh, yeah. but it's on all of, it's linked on all of my socials. So if you go to any of my socials, it's very easy to find. Um, but so okay, i sorry, I, what was
0: going on with you? Oh, what's going yeah. on with I
1: mean, like all of the stuff, I think I, I make all of the art by hand, but I, you know, will contact manufacturers to make any of the other stuff, uh, which is the second part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I just got into finding that there's like a whole subset of people making stuff, which is like, professional made like plush so like if there's a character from a game that you like you know you can just talk to this manufacturer and give him some drawings and you can make some of these whoa and like they're they're kind of like not you know if the the license holder got a hold of you i'm sure they would (laughs) have something to say about it but it's usually like made in like small little runs you know of usually like usually 50 to like maybe 200 or something. It's mm-hmm. mostly just like fans making stuff for other fans and just being able to cover the cost of making this thing and share it. Mm-hmm. Um And so I've been finding like a number of like makers making these like cool plush dolls and stuff of like favorite characters that like the people who make the property of thing, whether it's like a game or an anime or something like they should be making this thing. And right. these these makers are filling a niche. So why mm-hmm. not? And it's usually always got such care and attention to detail. They look great. Uh I've pre-ordered a couple, gotten some in the past from like Fire Emblem. Um they're they're very good. Uh so I'm just happy that those exist and that people are working really hard to make something they care about. I love this.
0: What about you, Mikey? What are what are you into? Roxy, what's making me happy this week is uh AGDQ. Are you familiar with this? This sounds extremely familiar.
1: Video game related, correct?
0: Yeah, it stands for Awesome Games Done Quick.
1: Yes. It's okay, a, God, I feel so speedrunning event. Not getting that immediately. Yes.
0: Uh, and it you happens. love speedrunning,
1: Mikey. You love it.
0: I love speedrunning. I love this event specifically because they bring together all the quickest players of all of the best games. And you can see them play through a video game as fast as possible. And somebody at this most recent AGDQ played through Metal Gear Solid. Ooh, a game that okay. I just played through again for the first time in a long time. That's right. You um, did.
1: Was the last time you played it when we were in college together and you did like that probably. marathon
0: of all four of the, four of the games that that sounds right. The yeah. <laughs> when we were in college, I sat down to play all the Metal Gears and like At me in my
1: roommate's house. Like we were just all <laughs> yeah. hanging out during like finals week or something. <laughs> And, like, my my other roommate, who is Francesca, who is a dear friend of both of ours, she's a lovely person. I think she graduated the year before, right? So, I think it was, like, Uh final week for you and me, Mikey. Right. (laughs) She's like, we're going to play fucking Metal Gear, and Mikey's going to get mad about it. (laughs) I got so mad about it. (laughs) And you know what?
0: (laughs) When I played Metal Gear again just a week ago, Uh I got mad about it again. The ending is (laughs) (laughs) anger-fying. It is (laughs) anger-inducing.
1: I didn't remember the tipping point Being in Metal Gear 1 for you though It was Metal Gear 3 that I really remember That like final chase scene in Snake Eater That you were just like It was like 2 or 3am You were like why the fuck do I keep dying here So stupid (laughs) I'm on this like hovercraft or something I can't remember what it was Oh man That is exactly what what
0: happened to me at the end of Metal Gear Solid 1 There's also a car chase scene And it really has not aged well And it's so hard (laughs) And there's a, a clip on my Twitch channel of me having the most anger I've ever <laughs> had <laughs> online.
1: Okay, I'm gonna have to look at your VOD and look at that clip. Yeah, you should. Uh, yeah, actually, hey, speaking of shout outs, what is your Twitch channel, Mikey? That's a great
0: great call, Roxy. Uh it is twitch.tv slash Mikey McCollor. Hell yeah. And uh, it's linked on
1: all of your socials as well too. So if they're like following you on Twitter, they can probably Right.
0: Sp- it's the same. The spelling Go is the same. Go, Go watch Mikey streams. My whole thing with AGDQ is they played through Metal Gear Solid and did mm-hmm. things I did not know were possible. There's oh, a cool. sniper boss you have to fight, uh-huh. and they figured out some glitch where you can just run up to her. <laughs> what? And, like, really? Punch her?
1: <laughs> oh my god! Does she just die like when hit, or something, or is she just in no? It's sequence? like her health
0: goes down the way it normally would if you were punching her, but she's like. Because they never designed you to get close enough to her, her body is twisted in such a way that, like, she looks really good, like, through a sniper rifle scope. Oh, oh but when you get God. up close, her body is all deformed and twisted sideways. That's
1: amazing. I love shit it's like that. It's very funny.
0: <laughs> yeah. And it just, it broke my brain, and I was so excited. And the fact that I had just played through it before made it a great experience.
1: That's that's so cool. Did did they get stuck on that vehicle part as well? Or have no, they did it really crazy? fast. Oh, Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they knew it. They knew what to do. <laughs> well, Roxy, each week the demon bot hires a new monster to guard the basement door to keep us from escaping. And yet each week we keep escaping. It's really fruitless for him.
1: I mean, I, I'd like to say that we're just really good at what we do, which is surviving at this point.
0: We so. are a bunch of Mary Elizabeth Winsteads over here. Yeah. We are good at surviving. We're very, very good at
1: making improvised molotovs. I was going to say
0: economic, but that's not the right word.
1: Cocktails. <laughs> practical there you go
0: let's see what we got garden the basement door this week okay
1: <laughs> oh fuck close it mikey we, i closed it
0: okay Roxy, they flooded the upstairs and it's got a thousand piranhas in there
1: oh my god okay none of them got in did they He closed it before they got in
0: uh one did but he's just flopping around one piranha okay. on its own oh. is not super dangerous oh. i'm kicking it's that like, get away one piranha on its own, not that bad. But if we're going to get past the rest of the, p- the piranhas, you know what we're going to have to do? Crawl through the ventilation
1: ducts, just like
0: oh, our I main wish. Those are also this movie. Those are also filled with water. Thankfully, uh, Roxy, uh-oh. I brought
1: suffocate? two
0: straws. Uh, uh, so here we go. Just stick it up through. I, I don't think
1: that's how that's going to work. Uh, the piranhas are not straws. Don't <laughs> make you immune to piranhas.
0: Get started, Roxy. We're gonna be here for no, a minute.
1: No, I think I think I'm gonna wait overnight. You can wait, you're drinking it. Oh, this was the play. Okay.
0: If you don't want to do it, I can handle it by myself.
1: Uh yeah, I think you can handle that. <laughs> Good luck. I don't think there's enough space in the human stomach for that. Um I'm just gonna put my straw up here to make it drain, I guess. No, wait, you're drinking it, you're consuming it. I don't know. The scary basement's pretty deep. I think maybe if we can drain the water and let all the piranhas die.
0: But then the right exactly. We need to drain the water so the piranhas are just flop, flopping around up there. Yeah, I'm and gonna, then gonna we stick this
1: between it. the floorboards. Maybe to see if I can okay. just make it drain. You keep drinking though. You you have fun with that. What does it taste like,
0: by the way? Good.